Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio, and wait, what? what? There's no Tom. Tom, where are you? <laughs> Tom is AWL, away with leave. Yes, often parts unknown this week, and uh, he's unable to join for the uh, podcast this week, but uh, we did discuss that uh, he thought it'd be okay if I did it myself. So here I am, and this is our 23rd episode, episode 23. I figured to call it uh, Lone Wolf. <laughs> I'm doing it by myself. No, I don't know what to call it. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that uh, we put one out per week, and I thought maybe this would be a good opportunity to give it a try. You guys could listen to my voice for 34 minutes, and hopefully I don't drive you crazy. I'm going to start off with this new uh, attachment that is coming out for iPhones. I don't know. Probably you've seen it by now and probably heard of maybe a few podcasts about it. But it's this little attachment camera for the iPhone from the company DxO. It's called the DxO1, I believe. And it's a little camera attachment that plugs in to an iPhone with a lightning adapter. It looks like a little, I don't know, a small little box appendage that you plug into the bottom of the iPhone and it turns, well, you know, I've been reading things that turns your iPhone into a great camera. And the first thing that I saw when it popped up in my feed, when I, when I saw this and it was like, you know, turn your iPhone into this great, uh, to this great camera. The first thing I wanted to say is that it doesn't turn your phone into anything else other than a storage device or a giant screen. This device is an attachment. It's a camera attachment that plugs into your iPhone. So in itself, it's a camera. Um, what it does is that it will use your iPhone for the place where it stores the pictures that it takes, at least some of the pictures. Um, this, this little device takes raw files and takes JPEGs and it will store the JPEGs on your phone. And it uses your screen on your phone as a LCD screen for the camera. So it's not turning your phone into any kind of better camera. Your phone already has a camera on it, uh, 8 megapixel, pretty decent camera, at least on the iPhone uh, 6 and 6 Plus. I have the 5S, and that's not a bad camera either. But it's not doing anything to that camera. It is just using your phone as a storage or and viewing device so part of what i was seeing in my feed he was saying you know turn your your phone into this great camera it's not doing that it's a separate device that you plug into your phone it's not magically turning your phone into something new it's just an attachment that being said i listened to uh to derek stories um podcast the other day and he had one that he reviewed for about a month and I would suggest you go and listen to his podcast the uh, digital story the most recent one I'll put a link in the show notes for that because he's had it for about a it sound like he might have had it for a month and he's been shooting with it so he has a very good hands-on experience with it and I won't really rehash what he's talking about I'll let you listen to him uh, talk about it but what I gathered from listening to his review and the stuff I've been reading, and I, I got the email from them because I'm on their mailing list for this device. It is the standalone camera 
that is a 20 megapixel camera with a pretty large sensor for its size and some it looks like pretty decent optics it's got a lens that's um the maximum aperture is 1.8 so you can shoot in really low light it lets you shoot video as well and it also lets you shoot jpegs and raw formats um i believe it creates a dng file but it's a raw format and it looks like a really nice thing to carry around with your iphone you know if you don't want to carry a camera with you and from their website i'm looking at some of the pictures they took and the quality looks really decent i mean it looks like a nice little camera attachment and you know my my two cents about this i've had camera attachments for my portable devices for a very long time i think i had my first one i was thinking about this as i was about to record i had a palm pilot with a kodak camera attachment but the palm pilot didn't have a camera to begin with it just had this you know it was just a regular palm for those of you who don't know what a palm pilot is uh you know the precursor to the iphone it was you know a pda so you had icons on it and launched apps on it it was black and white and kodak came out with this attachment for it which was a little camera i can't even i don't remember how many megapixels it was, it was probably nothing it was, 300 by 320 by 200 uh, file i'm sure and you attach it to the bottom of the palm pilot and it became a camera and it stored the pictures on it would take it it had its own little lens and you would take a picture with it there was no i don't think there was an lcd screen the lcd screen on the pda on the uh, palm pilot was black and white i mean it was just pixels and so i don't think it showed uh, a preview of the picture but you would take a picture and then it would store it on the palm pilot and then you could view it you know and transfer it to your computer and it was a color picture but the point was I, i've had these attack and every time i bought a device i would have a uh, if it didn't have a camera i would buy a camera device and i would attach it to it to take pictures you know until the iphone came out and it had its own it had its own camera and i've had these attachments oh you know even my iphone i bought a um what was it an olo clip uh, it was a Kickstarter wide-angle macro attachment for an iPhone 4S. And it was something that you just dropped over the, the, the camera lens, and it sort of pinched on to the camera lens, and it sort of it made a wide-angle lens of your, uh, of your iPhone. You know, I would get these devices, and I would attach them to the phone or the PDA and use them for a while. And then after a while, I would just forget to bring them with me. Part of these devices the the appeal of like a phone with a camera on it or you know a pda on its own was like it was self-contained and once i started adding attachments to it, it these were things that i would actually start to think about whether or not it was going to bring with me or not um, whether i wanted to carry this extra piece or like how would i would carry the olo clip i had to put it into a little pouch so that it wouldn't get dust on it and because it was glass and a lens i would have to keep that separate so after a while when the the sort of the novelty of it wore off i wouldn't carry them with me so much and i would just sort of default to the camera that was built into the iphone and i would use that and if i wanted to bring a camera with me i'd actually bring my camera with me one of my fujis or my nikon with me and i would actually take real pictures with it so when this popped into my feed and i saw that it was a 20 megapixel and blah 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 and it looked really cool and the photographs looked really nice and it took raw files I was like, very excited by it. And then, you know, the for me kicked in was, oh, well, 
it's great, but it's another thing to stick in my pocket and attach to, you know, make a big deal about when if I was going to take a picture with this device, I'd actually have to take it out and attach it and then launch the software and take the picture and et cetera, et cetera. And to me, that kind of removes the spontaneity of what my phone camera is used for these days. Just, you know, grab the phone, swipe up, turn the camera on, take a picture and I'm done. So I see a device like this and I realize I have to go through extra steps and I have to think about it. And at that point, I'm, I'm for me, the kind of person I would say, well, you know, if I had my, my Fuji camera with me, I would just also just take that up and take a picture with it and not have to attach anything and, and whatnot. So that popped into my head when I saw this. And then as I looked through the specs on it, it's very nice specs on it. And, and also after listening to Derek's stories, podcast and realizing that in order to get the benefits of this device, you really have to go through a workflow that's devoted to the DXO. You have to use their software, et cetera, et cetera, to get the highest quality from this device as possible. And that kind of dampened it for me. And then the big one was as I scrolled down and I looked for the price, this thing is, it's not out yet. It's going to, you can pre-order it. It's $600. Six six bills for this thing, which I'm going to attach to my phone using a lightning connector. And I'm going to have this additional thing in my pocket, and it's going to cost me $600. So that gave me a big pause. And my two cents about this is that, you know, if I'm going to spend $600 on something, I want to at least know that it's going to last a long time. Now, granted, it's got a lightning connector, and I know Apple is using these lightning connectors these days. And there is not, well, I hate to say there's not much of a chance of them changing because they've done it. They've changed from the 30-pin connector on the iPhones and the iPads to this lightning connector. And who's to say that they're not going to change their mind again in a couple of years because they come up with some new technology or something? and the lightning connector is no longer of use. I don't know Apple enough to say whether or not that's going to happen, but to me, the idea that if that does happen, this $600 device is now no longer capable to work with the new devices that come out. So they have an iPhone 7 with a new lightning thunderbolt connector 2 that this thing is not compatible with. There's $600 that I have to either use on an old phone and carry with me if I'm going to use this device, or I'm going to have to buy a new one and sell this one, which kind of defeats the purpose in some way. So, and it also defeats the purpose if I have to carry around an old phone just to use this thing. So, that's the first thing that really bugs me um, because it's proprietary format. And the the other thing that bugs me is $600. If I'm going to spend $600, I'm probably going to want to buy a real camera. I'm not saying this is not a real camera. The sensor sounds really good and. Derek says that you can take pictures with this without it actually having being attached to the iPhone. Uh, there's no LCD screen for you to, to compose the picture with, but I think it's wide enough that you can sort of ballpark it. But still, you know, it's 600 bucks, and I'm not sure about the lifespan of this thing. And it's something that I have to think about carrying with me. Uh, the novelty might wear off. Again, this is my my opinion about it because i've had these attachments to my phones before so 
I don't know. I mean, if you have disposable income and you only want to carry this with your phone and you're going on a trip or something, it seems like, okay, that's great. And all power to you. But, you know, these days I can't spend a lot of money. I mean, I would like to have a better camera in my iPhone. I, I like it what I have now. I have the 5S and the camera is pretty good. And, you know, I hear that I don't have the 6 yet, but I've seen pictures from it and the quality's gotten better. And then I think the next version of the iPhone 6 might have more megapixels and they might do something to make it a slightly better camera. I don't know. I'm on that upgrade path that I'll skip this current 6 and 6 Plus and, you know, whatever comes out next this fall will be the one that I upgrade to. So it might be a 6 Plus or six, um, 6S Plus or whatever. You know, maybe the camera will get a little better by then. But for me, that's the whole point. Like I want if I'm going to carry something around and, and be spontaneous, I don't want to start attaching things to my phone. So this is not for someone like me, uh, although I like gadgets and stuff like this. And I think this is great. You know, this is and because it's six hundred dollars, this is the first generation of this coming out. You know, maybe in a year they'll come out with one that's four hundred dollars. Um, still a lot of money, I think, for a little device that, you know, it can sit in your pocket and you can drop it. It doesn't look like it's very robust in my, I mean, it does have a lens cover, but it just looks like if you drop this thing, I don't know, the way you're holding it looks like there's possibilities of, I don't know, I just look at it and look, wow, you could snap, could you snap the lightning protector if you, you know, put too much torque on it or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, it's not to diss it. I don't own it yet. I'm not reviewing it. Derek's had it for a month and he has really good tips on, on it and really good opinions about it. And I would listen to him, but I'm looking at this. And if I'm looking how to spend my money in the next six months or a year, this is a device that is not going to be on my list of things to buy. Uh, you know, I'd rather buy a new phone when it comes out and use the camera on that. Or if I had $600, I might spend it on, you know, I'm going to sound like the Fuji guy because I love my Fuji cameras, but that's what I have. So I can talk about with what I have. The The new Fuji X30, which is a mirrorless camera. I have the X20, so the previous version of this, but I love that camera, the X20. The X30 is very similar. It doesn't have the optical viewfinder, but you can buy that camera for f less than $500. And that's a camera that's not going to get outdated over time. I mean, it, you can still use old digital cameras and take great pictures with it. That camera is not going to get dated. And it's probably no bigger than attaching this thing to an iPhone 6 Plus, you know, in terms of size and bulk. And then, you know, with a Fuji camera or a camera like that, a mirrorless camera that's less than $600, you know, you'll get the RAW files, you'll get the JPEGs, and you'll get the Wi-Fi that you can transfer pictures to your phone or your iPod, uh, iPad or other tablet device so that you can share the pictures. And it's a few extra steps, but, you know, I'd rather use a real camera at that point for this price range. You know, if this thing was maybe $199, you know, it's $599. If this thing was $199, that might be a no-brainer for me. You know, 200 bucks for something, maybe it lasts a couple years. It might be fun to play with. I could see doing that. But $600, I don't know. That's That's enough to give me pause. So I would take a look at it, uh, go to their page, um, dxo.com under, look, it's the first thing that comes up on their page. Uh, go to Derek Story's website, listen to his uh, podcast where he has the review about it. 
I mean, the first thing that popped in my mind was that this is not making your phone a better camera. It has nothing to do with, you know, your camera and your phone is your camera there. And this is just an attachment and it's using, you know, the big screen and some of your storage on your phone for storing stuff and, and looking at the pictures. And that's it. It's just something that you attach to it. So anyway, I wanted to put that in as uh, something to think about. And the other thing I'm looking at, it does let you shoot in manual so <laughs> because we're the switch to manual guys we're all four devices that let you take control of the camera so it does have the priority modes shutter and aperture priority you know it does have some of the modes the uh, preset modes like auto and sports and portrait um, but it has aperture priority shutter priority and manual mode so we're all for that if you can take control of your camera and override what the camera is trying to tell you to do that's great so that's it for my two cents on the dxo one so another thing i wanted to talk about was an experience i had this past weekend shooting the mermaid parade in coney island every year in june around the third week near the summer solstice there's a parade called the mermaid parade and happens in coney island and the th it's considered to be one of the largest art parades in the United States. And I'm not sure what an art parade is, but people come and dress up in nautical sea creature outfits and mermaid outfits and anything that has to do with the ocean. And it starts around, there's a big ballpark in Coney Island where the uh, New York Cyclones play. And it goes down the avenue like a regular parade. And then it circles back around near where the Cyclone roller coaster is. And then it comes on the boardwalk, the famous Coney Island boardwalk. And people dance and and perform and, and do all sorts of things. They're just marching the parade and, and general silliness. And this has been going on. I can't remember what, what year this is in. But uh, I've, I've been going regularly. And this year and also last year, I had the opportunity to be marching in the band in the parade itself with a band called the king's county pipes and drums band they were playing bagpipes and, and i'm not sure what bagpipes have to do with the ocean but <laughs> they had a group with them also called the celtic dancers and they were dressed up as sailors and they were doing some dancing and stuff so it was a lot of fun but it allowed me to get into the parade rather than being a spectator on the side looking at the parade i was actually in the parade looking out so it was a good opportunity. Years ago, you could before the parade became very organized, it was kind of a loose parade and you could, you know, go in and as a photographer and just take pictures and just be part of the parade. And now it's more organized and they actually charge photographers to come in. They give you a little red band, I can't remember how much they charge you, and you get to come into where all the the floats and people are setting up and start taking lots of photographs. So you get to get into the to the parade a little bit, but then you're relegated to the um, to being a spectator. And because I was with this band, my friend was in the band, and she asked me if I could take pictures of them. I I, I wanted to go in because then I got into the parade, so it got me a really good opportunity to be with all the performers and you know not being behind barriers. So. I went on Saturday and it was a very, very cloudy day. In fact, it was raining. Uh, it started to rain a few times. And I'm mentioning the parade mainly because in the past 
couple of weeks, we've had a couple of podcasts. I've been on a guest where we talked about shooting. I was on uh, Bart Bushot's podcast about shooting people on his uh, Let's Talk Photography, and we talked about photographing people. And one of the things I had mentioned about a great place to test your people shooting skills is at a parade uh, or an event like the Coney Island Mermaid Parade where everybody is sort of there to be seen and photographed and it's a nice place to go and test skills especially going up to people and saying i'd like to take your picture and also it happened that our last podcast episode tom and i were talking about shooting in in bad weather and this saturday it was not good weather it was overcast and it wasn't really supposed to rain at least the, the forecast didn't say rain but i looked outside the window before i left and Actually, while I was on my way out and it was raining and I realized I didn't dress properly. So I was close enough to homes where I went back and, and changed. And I'd also set up my hobo camera bag protectors, which were uh, Ziploc bags with little holes cut out for the lens. And I think we talked about that in the, the last episode, but I, I learned how to do this during the winter. Uh, I used uh, some Ziploc freezer bags because they're a little heavy duty. And because my cameras, my food, I use both of my Fuji cameras, they're small enough to fit into these bags and I can close the zipper on the top a bit and still have my strap sticking out. Now it didn't make, it doesn't make the bag, the cameras waterproof. And the first time I used them was in some of the snowstorms we had uh, this winter and snow being not rain, it's a little easier to, to deal with. It's, it wasn't so wet. But I figured I would do the same thing for this because it was just drizzling. It wasn't a full-out rain yet. And I figured if anything, it's just keep the water off the camera basically and not I don't have to worry about it too much. Um, the, the Fuji cameras that I have are not water-sealed. So I wanted to have some protection from them. So I did these hobo bag things. And I will try to take a picture of them and put them in the show notes um, for this show so you can see what I'm talking about. So I went out to Coney Island and I brought two cameras with me and I decided this year to only bring my Fuji cameras. I have the Fuji X20, which has a, a, a zoom lens, a 28 to 112 equivalent zoom lens. And I brought my Fuji X100T, which only has a 35 millimeter equivalent lens. And I decided to just do these two cameras. And I was there to photograph the band that I was in these the bagpipers so I wanted to have two cameras so I could cover them make sure I got enough pictures of for for them because they're allowing me to be with them so that was kind of why I was there I was doing it for free it wasn't a job it was just my way of getting into the parade and you know being able to give something back to the people who are letting me in there but I decided not to bring my Nikon and that meant in some way not a little less versatility but it's kind of the first time that I was shooting what I thought was like a job and I wasn't bringing my big cam. I call it my big camera. You know, I was bringing my little cameras with me, but guess what? You know, fast forward and they did really well. I shot tons of pictures using both cameras, probably a little too many because I had a lot to edit through, but carrying those around with me meant that I was traveling lighter. Yes, they weren't water sealed, so I had a little bit of the issues with the with the hobo bags. And I actually walked around a few times with an umbrella over my head. And I was thinking about what Tom and I were talking about last week about having an umbrella attached to our head. So I had to shoot with this umbrella that I was holding in one hand and holding my camera in another hand. And it worked out okay. 
I was able to, my cameras are small enough that uh, I could hold with one hand steady. And I had the umbrella on the other hand, and I was able to take some shots. And eventually, the the rain stopped, at least during the bulk time of the, uh, of the uh, parade. So I was able to walk around and take pictures. But I wanted to go over some experiences I had, both with what it was like to go up to people and photograph them at this parade, and my experiences with the cameras in general. So first of all, I decided, other than shooting the people I was with, I wanted to go up to the other performers and people in the parade. And instead of shooting their entire body costumes, although I did that a few times, I really made the effort to only shoot their faces. I wanted to get pictures of people's faces. So I used that as sort of my assignment for the day and see if I could stick with that. And I did a pretty decent job. I was going up to people and I said, you know what? I love the way your hat looks and you, or your handlebar mustache. And can I just grab a shot of your face? And people were just open to that. Now, again, it was the atmosphere. There was a lot of people there and they were showing off their costumes and, and they want to be photographed. And what I realized I could do is going up to people and even just engaging them in a slight bit of conversation quickly and go up to them and say, look, you know what? You look great. I love those glasses. Go let me grab a shot of you. And a lot of people were obliging me nicely. It was a really interesting opportunity to go to people. And I used it on purpose. I was like, I'm going to go up to people and talk to them. And I'm realizing that, you know, this is something that I can carry with me now into my street photography. Now, I'm still not quite ready yet to go up to people in the street, stop them, because everybody's going someplace in New York City and and they you know, may want their picture taken in their rush, but I'm still doing my grabbing from the hip shots. But I got the sense that if I approach somebody in a certain way and talk to them and it's if the you can get that kind of feeling, if it's feeling right, it will end up with a really interesting picture, a portrait of them looking into your camera and you can just see where you can go from that. So anyway, I used my own sort of medicine and advice to try to see if I could practice this while I was at this parade. And I think I did really well. I'll post up some of the pictures in the show notes so you can see. And I, I had a really good time. And I think I got a lot of good pictures. And I was posting both black and white in color. I thought it was really interesting to shoot a very colorful parade and then transfer those pictures as black and whites and see how they how they uh, looked. And some of them work. Some of them don't because I think it's really about the color and the costumes that people are wearing. But that got some really nice faces too. So the other thing I want to talk about was the fact that I was using these two, I would say, the smaller cameras. I really brought the X20 because it has a zoom lens because I wanted to be a little more versatile when I was photographing the band that I was with. They march in a long line, uh, sort of um, parallel to each other. There's two groups of bagpipers. So there's maybe 10 people, and they walk in, I think, five abreast, and there's two lines of them. So... I needed something to get wide with. And my X20 has the equivalent of a 28 millimeter lens on it. And the X100T is only 35. I knew I couldn't go wide enough to get them all in line. So I brought the X20 so I could make sure I could get them all in the picture. And mainly I found myself, when I look back at the pictures, when I went out to people to photograph their faces and do portraits, I used my X100T with the 35 millimeter lens because it allowed me to get in close and, you know, it's a, it's a single lens. So I'm not zooming in and out. I'm just going right up. It sort of forced me to get right up to them. 
But the X-20 I used for wider shots when I wanted to show some of the environment, you know, that they're marching in Coney Island. You could see the, the parachute jump or you could see the cyclone, the, um, the roller coaster there. So I used these two cameras and it was really interesting to only use mirrorless cameras that are Fuji cameras and see with the picture quality the way they come out. Could they handle this parade? And again, I, I'm just saying this because I haven't done this before. So the, the mirrorless cameras have just entered my life recently. Last year when I did the Mermaid Parade, I was also with the same band. And I brought my Nikon with a 10 to, well, 10 to 24, uh, sorry, 12 to 24 millimeter wide lens. So I can do a lot of wide shots. And I actually shot a lot of stuff with that and a telephoto lens on my Nikon as well. And uh, I was doing stuff at a distance from people. So I was shooting people's faces, but I was using telephoto. So this was kind of a first for me to say, well, look, can I just do this stuff with these two cameras? And I like to say that they did really, really well. And again, my workflow for these cameras is to shoot RAW and JPEG. And because I'm really into the Fuji processing, the JPEGs in the camera were really, really good right out of the camera. So a lot of those I was using pretty much right out of the camera, but some of them I'm transferring to my iPad to do some work with in Snapseed and either convert them to black and white. I'm shooting them all in color because I figured for some reason it would be easier for me to convert to black and white with Snapseed and, and get the look that I want. So they're all color. And I'll convert in Snapseed to black and white, and the quality was really good. And it really handled, both cameras handled the situation really well. They handled the rain as well as could be expected with my little hobo Ziploc bags. And they also handled, you know, making really good pictures. The Part of the issue is I had to bring a lot of batteries with me. Both of those cameras use batteries a lot. The screen is on a lot, and I, I had enough batteries to cover me. And I also bought 64 gigabyte cards, at least for my X, uh, X100T. And the interesting thing about that is that you could keep shooting all day. And I did end up generating a ton of pictures because I was a little trigger happy um, because there's a lot of great things happening there. But it did, you know, end up with a lot of transfer time. So, you know, if I was going to talk about something in terms of an issue with bringing a bigger card, it's the, the bigger card that you have, the more stuff that you're going to put on it. So I was very tempted to keep shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. You know, you know, a nice exercise would be bring a really small card where you can't take as many pictures. You know, what would happen if you brought a 16 gigabyte card with you and you're sort of limiting yourself like you were shooting film? Like I can only shoot this many pictures. So you'd be really less tempted to shoot with, you know, the motor drive on and motor drive. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> You're less likely to shoot with multiple frames. You know, you might just set it for one frame at a time and take a shot. But, you know, I had the 64 gig card and I thought because I would take a lot of stuff with it. And yeah, I did. I went a little overboard. So it means a lot of editing time on my, on this other end. And then also storage with, uh, as I'm transferring my computer. So the lesson I want to say is that these little cameras, you know, whether it be the Fuji mirrorless or the Ryko mirrorless or the Olympus mirrorless, I can see myself leaning more towards these cameras. They all shoot in manual, which is great. So I like to take control of the shots. In fact, I was shooting a lot of the pictures in manual while I was during the parade. So I like that kind of control. And, you know, I think the file quality is, is there. So... I am sort of beginning to lean towards this direction of these smaller cameras. I like the fact that during the parade, I wasn't carrying around a, a big camera bag with me. 
with lots of, I mean, I did have a camera bag to put my cameras in once I realized it was raining, but the first time I went out, I didn't have a camera bag with me. I was just going to have my cameras around my neck. So I, first of all, I was able to walk around the entire day without taking any, you know, well, I did take a couple of Advil because <laughs> I'm an older guy. And so like walking around can get to you, but I was very happy not to have a huge camera bag with a lot of gear in it and switching lenses and actually having to go into that process of switching lenses, deciding what I wanted to shoot. Or usually when I'm when I'm bringing multiple cameras with, with me, I'll have one camera with a wide lens, another camera with a telephoto lens. And those end up weighing a lot, you know, and you're walking around slow. And if it was raining, you know, there's that extra burden of the, you know, whether or not I want the gear to get wet and, uh, you know, using uh, bags to protect the cameras. And so it was really nice to have these two little cameras hanging around my neck. And I knew what to go for when I need to get the shot, if I wanted to shoot them, the, the band in the parade, I wanted wide shots. I just used my X 20. I had it generally, you know, set at wide. And when I did my portraits, I used my X 100 and it was it, it was, it was two things I had to think about very fast. Um, and I was very, very satisfied with those results. So I just wanted to bring these experiences. And again, based on this idea of, you know, shooting, uh, people, a way to practice with, shooting people in parades and events like this where everybody's having a good time anyway. And, you know, the, the, the weather issues and just this idea of using these new smaller cameras, I'm becoming a fan of it. And I didn't think I would become a fan. So this says a lot. Now it's just, it's me, you know, going through a different phase of my photography life right now. And, uh, the, the cameras that I'm using now are, are augmenting that they're helping me see things that I, I generally didn't see when I was using my DSLRs. And, and it's not to say that one's better than the other. It's just that I'm taking these cameras with me everywhere and they're sort of sitting on my shoulder all the time. So to me, that's it. The camera that is with me all the time is the one that's the best camera. So I just wanted to share this experience with you because of the last two episodes of uh, the last two podcasts that I've been on. So I hope you find that uh, useful. So that about wraps up this episode, this lone wolf episode number 23. And next time Tom will join us, I hope he will be off of his world adventures. He travels the world a lot. He's a man of the world. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he'll uh, post some pictures from his trips. But uh, yeah, so you can find us on our website, which is switchtomanual.com. There you can see uh, that we have workshops and uh, soon we're going to be setting up portfolio reviews there. I'm a little late on getting that started, but uh, at some point you'll be able to contact us and have us uh, review your portfolios if you need help with pictures. The uh, other thing is that uh, you can find us on twitter which is where handle our handle is at switch the number two manual so switch to manual we're also on facebook and google plus and if you um if we would like some suggestions and tips and comments so you could send them to us at uh, info at switch to or you can uh, send us a tweet on our twitter account and if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review and rating. We'd like to see uh, like to see if you guys like what we're doing so we can keep doing more of it. Also, we started to uh, put out a tip cup on our website. So if you want, as Tom would say, send us some chump change. 
<laughs> help us uh, fund our our you know our our functions here so if you're feeling up to it and christmas comes early yeah send us a buck or two but anyway we'd appreciate it thanks we will see you next time and tom will uh, join us and we'll be back to our regular schedule so uh see you later and tom would say adios Bye.